0: a conversation with younger clergy during a time of the coronavirus pandemic here on the United Methodist People podcast episode number 30 with Rev. Dr. Brad Miller as we continue to be encouraged by Bishop Julius Trimble as today he talks with younger clergy Rev. Ross Stackhouse and Rev. Julia Gonzalez.
1: Cause that, I feel like I've started to settle into that rhythm of, like, you know what? No, things are not okay. I'm not okay. But I'm still here. I'm still called. And God is still good.
2: Welcome to the United Methodist People Podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to accomplishing the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world through conversation and commentary. And now, here's Brad.
0: Hello, good people, and welcome to the United Methodist People podcast with Rev. Dr. Brad Miller. This is episode number 30, where we are talking with some younger clergy in the United Methodist Church in Indiana as we have a conversation with Bishop Julius Trimble and Reverend Ross Stackhouse with a new church plant called Heaven Earth Church in Wytham, Indiana, and Reverend Julia Gonzalez, who is the associate pastor of the St. Mark's United Methodist Church in Carmel, Indiana. We were bringing together this conversation to help understand better the particular needs and challenges and opportunities and encouragement from some of the younger clergy that we have here in Indiana, particularly in this time of this pandemic, this quarantine situation which has impacted everybody in every way and also a consideration of the stresses and the dynamic in the United Methodist Church concerning human sexuality and the possibility of the that is upcoming. We talk to them about their life, their family life, and their faith life and how they're handling things in their life, including the challenges within their families. We heard about their faith story. But most importantly, uh, Bishop Trimble asked him the pertinent question, how is it with your soul? You're going to love this episode of the United Methodist People podcast. We're here for you at unitedmethodistpodcast.com. You can go to our website and get complete show notes of this show and a free gift for you. It also includes the websites of the two churches involved, so you can be in contact with people here. Please listen in now as we have this conversation. But Bishop, uh, welcome to the podcast today.
3: Thank you, Dr. Brad. It's always good to be in conversation with you and with uh, our pastors and lay folks in Indiana and probably across the globe that can uh, listen on the podcast.
0: We are getting uh, some connections and folks are listening and uh, making an impact for for the kingdom and appreciate that. And we'll get into a conversation with the Ross and Julia in just a minute. But I always do like to ask if there's any updates we need to talk about regarding, oh, the reopening of churches, Aldersgate Sunday, anything, any kind of information that is helpful to our listeners to have in terms of uh, the life of the church right now.
3: Well, uh, we, we have some churches that have, that have resumed worship and some that, uh, based on on my recommendations are not planning to resume worship until june four, no sooner than June fourteenth Some are not planning to worship until July or even even later. Some churches will not be in public worship until uh, school resumes in the fall so uh, we've we provided some guidelines We are expecting every congregation uh, when they resume worship or any gatherings that they have some protocols and that they share those with the conference superintendent. Uh, They probably have uh, received an overabundance of advice and and information, but we're not out of the woods as it relates to this global pandemic. We still are having new cases every day in Indiana and certainly across the United States and across the globe. So uh, churches are some churches uh, after my first recommendation kind of looked at at the 17th as their go date and they, uh, attempt, uh, went ahead with that most of our churches have still not resumed their public worship and what we've what i've said consistently brad if you recall is that we want to we want to um, go forward with an abundance of caution and pay attention to our first of, of our of our general rules in the methodist church which is to do no harm uh, so i'm looking forward to while i miss being in public worship i recognize that we're living in a different moment in history. And as I heard Pastor Julia say a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was, that we might be just in the beginning of the story. Uh, so we're, we're, we're not at the end of this story.
0: Yes. And then uh, as far as the process of being helpful, you are prov- the your the annual conference, which you are responsible for, is for pro- providing some resources that you mentioned already, but I know uh, an Aldersgate Sunday resource, which hopefully will be helpful for churches doing worship in this new environment that we're in?
3: Yeah, we, we've, uh, the extended cabinet, put together a complete worship service. And, and the the, gift, the idea is for it to be a gift to churches. They don't have to use it. They don't even have to use it specifically on next Sunday, Aldersgate Sunday. But we, we really do think, and since I have two pastors on, the, on this call, three pastors on this call, I want to say that we do really think your bishop thinks that, you know, you deserve and have earned uh, some time to, take off it was if it was a normal rhythm for us we wouldn't be working every weekend un, un, uninterrupted uh, so um, we think that Sabbath I think that it's really important for pastors to take some Sabbath.
0: well that, that's a good way of leading this into our conversation here uh, uh, today and we are pleased to have a, a roundtable discussion a conversation with a couple of our clergy here in, in, here in Indiana. And where a particular focus today is on some younger clergy. So today we have with us uh, Reverend Julia Gonzalez, who's one of, the, one of the pastoral staff, the associate pastor at St. Mark's United Methodist Church in Carmel, and also Reverend, uh, Reverend Ross Stackhouse, who is the pastor at the Heaven Earth Church, a new church plant in Johnson County. So Julia, first of all, to you, welcome uh, to the United Methodist People podcast.
1: Thanks. Glad to be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Julia, uh, just tell us just a little bit about your faith story. What I mean by that is your faith story of how you came to know Christ and how you ended up in ministry.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So I grew up originally in Frankfurt, Indiana, and attended St. Matthew, United Methodist. I always believed in Christ. I was raised in the church. I feel like my faith really started when I... The summer before my freshman year of high school, I went to Epworth Forest, uh, which is a summer camp that I know a lot of the pastors in the area, that it resonates with them. I went there and kind of got this eye-opening realization that, you know, it's not just that God's real, but that God really wants a relationship with me. And that was a huge game changer. And especially since the summer after that, I got my call to ministry, again, at Epworth Forest. Spent the next few years of high school and then at Purdue University you know, questioning that call, getting a sense of where God was leading me and what gifts God had given me. Went straight from Purdue to Duke and then got assigned to St. Mark's Carmel. And that's my first church. And it's been great. It's been a huge challenge and stretching me in a lot of different ways, but it's been an absolute ride.
0: Awesome. And you've been with St. Mark's and Carmel You've uh, since when? How long have you been there?
1: Uh, it'll be two years this uh, summer.
0: Also with us uh, today is uh, Ross Stackhouse from Heaven Earth Church. Ross, uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast, and I'd like to hear from you a little bit about your faith story and
4: how you ended up in this new church plant. Well, I also grew up, and thanks for having me, Brad and uh, Bishop. I also grew up in the United Methodist Church in a really small rural congregation. But I went through, you know, struggles as a teenager. I was raised by a single dad, and and I was not really feeling connected, so. We actually started going to a different church there for a while. So I left the Methodist Church for about 10 years. Like Julia, I went to Purdue, boiler up. The spark of my faith really started to ignite again at Purdue Christian Campus House then. And then I went to Vanderbilt to do a, a master of theological studies. Wanted to do a PhD in biblical studies, but got, I didn't get into the six programs to which I applied. That was when I had an identity crisis. I'd really staked a lot of my identity on, I didn't know it, but on like titles and achievement and good grades and stuff. And that's where I, I felt that still small voice saying, you know, you have one foot plugged into the vine, one plugged into the world. It's time to plug all the way in. I got hired. My first time back at United Methodist Church was in 2012 when I got hired at St. Mark's in Carmel where Julia is. I preached my first sermon there ever and that and that's it (laughs) I knew I knew that's what I was supposed to do
0: and right now you're pastoring a new church plant in Johnson County called Heaven Earth Church and you've been there for Mm -hmm. what a couple years now you've been there
4: yeah left St. Mark's in June of 2018 and then started this in July of 2018
0: well Bishop Trimble, I know that uh, you are an encouraging person you sign off on most of your letters and your the title of our podcast together is to be encouraged and uh I'd just like to hear what kind of conversation you would like to have with Julia and with Ross here that can be encouraging.
3: Well, uh, they, they encourage me. So just the mere fact that they've answered the call to ministry. uh, People ask me why, how did I come up with my personal mission statement? I preached my first sermon when I was 16, but uh, I, and I felt my dad died. My dad died when I was 13. And uh, my mom raised six six kids, and uh, it was the church. I went to church camp, um, Methodist church camps, and I was part of a young group called Young Life in, in uh, Chicago, uh, a youth group. But uh, it wasn't until I went away to college and after college and I met my wife. We've been married 41 years now, and she was the one who encouraged me to really to recommit my life to Christ and to go to seminary. And so uh, I have been encouraged all throughout my life by lay persons and pastor, my pastor, who uh, was a mentor and became like an adopted father for us. Um, And so my mission statement is to encourage all people with the love of Jesus Christ to rise to their highest potential. And people ask me, how did I come into that? Well, I'm a product of being encouraged both by the church and by, um, by many of the experiences of life, the good ones and the bad ones as well. So I just wanted to, uh, I've been on a couple of Zoom calls, Brad, recently, and where we've actually been an opportunity just to be honest and say, you know, when people ask the question, how are you doing? I remember asking a, a, a lay member how she was doing after church. And she said, Pastor, I'm doing fine if you don't ask for details. <laughs> uh, problems, uh, can relate to that uh, and you know some days uh, I find myself I have to turn the TV off because I find myself weeping some of it's for joy like I was watching the, the special on the high school graduates for 2020 and I just was so moved by, by we were supposed to go to a graduation of our niece in a couple of weeks in, in Chicago and uh she's a high school graduate and she didn't go to her prom. She didn't she's not having a normal graduation. So a lot of people are dealing with real feelings. And I wanted to ask them about some of our pastors. We the Wesley question, I think we're gonna hang out tomorrow again, Ross, but but you know, how is it with your soul? Julia, Pastor Julia, Ross, how is it with your soul? Some days, you know, I I being at home is good on one sense. But there's a there's a vitamin I think we get from being around people, and I'm an introvert, so I don't have to be around people all the time. But to never be around people is 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 killing me. So how are you guys doing? That that was one of the questions I wanted to ask.
4: Well, yeah, I, I would resonate with that, Bishop. You know, I, I keep joking that in like in one week my house became a, a preschool and daycare and my wife's home office and headquarters to heaven earth church. So every day is, uh, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's wonderful and it's, uh, it's a lot of chaos. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I like what you said, Bishop, you know, if someone asks how I am, I'll typically say fine. But the truth is, is that, you know, if you don't watch it, the weeks have a cumulative effect. You know, you get to the end of a week, and you not you may not be totally burned out, but you're you you have a little bit less in the tank um, than you did before because you know ministry is already already requires a lot of self care and a lot of boundaries. But this time, um, where there's so much potential for adaptive thinking and response in the community it's like you have to be twice as intentional or even more.
0: Julia, what do you, what's your thoughts on that question?
1: Yeah, it's it's getting used to not being okay. Mm. And learning to you keep going even when it's not okay. Cuz that I feel like I've started to settle into that rhythm of like, you know what? No, things are not okay. I'm not okay. But I'm still here. I'm still called. And God is still good. And there are good points. There's doing online meetings with my friends. You know, we figured out a way to watch the Lord of the Rings together, even though we're all in different states, even, and social distancing beyond that. And it's watching my little sister graduate from Purdue this weekend and knowing she didn't have the experience that, you know, that I did or that Ross did, but we still cheered her on and we're still so proud of her and everything she's doing. It's really just trying to learn to be okay and to still keep going, even when everything's not okay.
3: Brad, Brad, you know something about the Lord of, Ring, Lord of the Rings? Did I, was that something you Well, we had to
0: uh, make some adjustments on our household. Uh, my, this, actually the week we're in right now was supposed to be a vacation celebration for my family and I. My youngest son graduated from Indiana last week. Respect. But of course, he was uh, <laughs> disappointed. Yeah, you get it. And uh, anyhow, but uh, long story short, we were, he is a huge uh, Lord of the Rings and mostly Harry Potter fan. And we we're going to go down to his big graduation gift was going to be a the week run right now is going to be a vacation to to uh, Universal Studios. But end we ended up having a huge Harry Potter and then Lord of the Rings Film Festival for about whatever, <laughs> 10 nights in a row. It was. But, uh, Julia, I would be interested in you unpack a little bit more about this not being okay thing. How are you managing this day-to-day life with your, uh, with your husband and the church? How's that? How are you just managing?
1: Well, it's kind of an – it's a little hard for me at times uh, because my husband is an EMT with a private um, ambulance company, so he does leave for work every day. So then I'm rattling around the apartment with my dog. Sorry, that's kind of a heavy – that's a full question to unpack it feels a lot like when I was first struggling with having anxiety. Like you, you learn to take things one step one day or one hour at a time. And it's a lot of grace. It's a lot of recognizing that, you know what, I need to turn off the laptop. I need to step away from the iPad. I need to just put the phone on the other side of the room from me and just be, and that it's okay and that, you know what, maybe I'm not getting as much done as I did before COVID, before all of this, and that's okay. It's a lot of grace and a lot of patience. Really glad that I've already kind of built up these reserves of understanding this and having walked through still going even when you're not okay. I can't imagine how hard this this is for people who they're experiencing anxiety right now. And it's situational anxiety. And it's, it's scary. I know a lot of people are having panic attacks for the first time, and they have no idea what's happening to them. And to be going through all of this and to not have the skills or the tools, like the mental health tricks to help you through that, and then to also not be able to see people in person, and to gain strength through that, that is, that is an incredibly hard task, and I know that when we are through this, the work of healing is only just going to begin. The
0: cloud that's over all of us is this incredibly scary disease, yeah. you know, the COVID-19, and, and that means it impacts physical health. And I know, Ross, I don't know if you want to say too much about it or not, but you've had this challenge in your own family of the physical health aspect, which is just over everything. Do you want to say anything about how that's impacted your life?
4: Yeah, right when we kicked this off, my wife almost certainly got the virus. She was quarantined in a room in our house for uh, two weeks. And so that gave us a taste. I mean, relatively speaking, we we have only reason to be grateful as a family. This didn't bring any new econ- uh, economic hardship on our family. We We had job security, but it did give me a taste of the kind of disruption that this has given to families in our community, not to mention, you know, clergy and so forth, but those, those couple weeks where I'm trying to care for a one-year-old and a four-year-old by myself, care for my wife, and then like tend to the church plant. Those were some weeks, man. (laughs) Well, give us the
0: update. How is she doing now?
4: Uh, she's great. She's, 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 she's great. It was nasty. I mean, we, she couldn't get a test. She called her doctor several times. And at that time there was basically no outpatient testing available, but she had all the signs and so forth. So, but she's doing great now. Yeah. But how
0: scary, how scary. And
3: yeah. That's one of the anxiety things uh, Julia mentioned and I in a, last weekend in a previous, previous call, one of the, Several people mentioned, you know, I don't know whether or not I have depression or not. It hasn't been diagnosed, but everything, all the signs seem to point to depression. Mm -hmm. And we already had a lot of depression just in the general population and and in the church and and amongst clergy. And a lot of it, you know, is not clinically diagnosed. And part of that is this one person voiced it, you know, you you know that the COVID is out there and if you don't know whether it's coming to get you. This, this fear of this is a virus and when you go to grocery stores Brad, we may have talked about this before yes'm I'm, I'm, I'm of age and I have a pre-existing conditions that puts me in a vulnerable population and you we, we are we have masks in our cars and so forth. but you go places and I go into the grocery store we don't I've been out a lot and I, and I see people coming in and, and they have a look the look on their face Julia I'm not wearing a mask, and you can't make me wear one. So that 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 kind of that's scary. That's scary on top of scary for me. We're mm-hmm. we're living in a in in this you know liminal space where it's 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 uh, we don't know exactly what the future holds, but this may be a total game changer in terms of just the way way we do life. I, I think mm-hmm. we'll get through. I think we'll get through the pandemic, and eventually there will be vaccinations and cure but there'll be something else in the future and um, i'm wondering if this is one of those changes you know i know if you asked me 20 years ago whenever i went to an airport i might have to take off my belt and shoes i would have thought you were crazy but that's just
1: that's commonplace now. So, I can't you, remember a time of going to the airport and not experiencing that. Right. Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah. Norm, that's the new normal. And yeah. one of the things that you're talking about there, Bishop, is how this is one of those events that is uh, a seminal event that does change everything. And, of course, that's not in our United Methodist Church. This is not the only event that is changing everything. In our United Methodist Church, we have a great – conversation going on about the future of the church. And, you know, these are two young clergy who are basically in the first part of their time of ministry together. And so my, I'd be interested, Bishop, on in your take on, and also on on Julia and Ross's take on how, what is going on in the United Methodist Church is impacting your mission and ministry right now. And that this is for us, in the United Methodist Church, this is one of those events that changes everything as well.
3: Well, I'll let them do most of the speaking to it. I'm in the last quarter of the, of the game, if you will, for the, for, right. my, for my active ministry, but uh, I've never been more excited than to be a Christian, first of all, and uh, be a United Methodist. And for me, this is just highlights how, what we, what we had deemed, you mean our conundrum around human sexuality as being so important. Uh, I think for me, this highlights how, um, uh, while it was, while it is and was and is important, on who we accept and who we don't accept and so forth, uh, it's not nearly as important as the fact that life is so precious. And people who are hurting are really hurting. You know, forty percent of the people who make forty thousand dollars or less less are without employment, and their jobs may not be coming back. Think about that. So people who are hurting and hungry. Uh, after this is over, uh, uh, that's just going to be exacerbated, uh, and so um, I think I think for this has been a teaching lesson for me. I think that I've always said that the church should be big enough for people that have disagreements around biblical interpretation and theology, and that uh, you know all means all. But uh, I know there are people who have different perspectives, I, I, I'm, and some of them are in my own family uh so, I think for me again um I'm still excited about ministry, and God's still calling folks to ministry, so uh, the church is of God and will be prevailed until the end of time so I'm, i i never felt felt that pastors like Ross or Julia their calling from God was for them to save the church or the United Methodist Church. I think their calling from God is to love god's people where God plants them and um that, 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 you know, they don't have to care bear on their shoulders the future of the United Methodist Church. Yeah. I think that will work itself out.
0: But Julie, what's your, what's your thoughts? You know, Bishop's laid out some of his thoughts. What are some of your thoughts about the impact of this potential schism, whatever it is going on that we're dealing with, on either you and your ministry or your – what's the impact on you or on the church
1: that you see? It feels like the impact has been the reactions that I get from people when I say that I'm a pastor. A lot of people, some of them, they don't worry so much about the denominational differences. They hear pastor and Christian, and there are all of these assumptions that are tied up in that. And sometimes we don't, they don't think about what it means to be in a certain denomination. And then it's like, how do I explain to them, like, who I am? And that just because they've heard certain things or they've been treated a certain way in the past, that doesn't mean that I'm going to live into either these good or these bad experiences.
0: You said to spend, it like you've had to spend a fair amount of time interpreting things and trying to sort things out in terms of these relationships.
1: A little bit here and there. Definitely. it's Ross may have experienced this too. That moment when you meet someone new who's not in the church and they're like, Oh, what do you do? It's like, I'm a pastor. And just that immediate, you can see them start thinking, okay, how many times have I cursed? Have I mentioned drinking? (laughs) Have I done anything that is like, could be considered a big deal or a big wrong? It's like, I don't care.
0: Russ, what are you thinking? You know, you're on a new church plant. You're dealing with lots of folks who are, uh, new to the church new to new to faith, but uh, what's your feeling on this whole deal that the United Methodist Church is going through? How's it impact you and your ministry and the folks that you are, are dealing with or does it well I, th-
4: I think the I think Bishop Trimble kind of uh, said something significant for me and Julie as well. you know if my ego had its say i I would be uh, inclined to think that it is my job to save the United Methodist Church, you know but um This pandemic has pushed me to see, you know, even more clearly that, no, I'm called to a local mission field. There is more than enough in this local mission field, uh, more for God to show me of my neighbors here. Here in this neighborhood where I am, the number one reason that people don't participate in religion, according to Mission Insight and according to my conversations with people, is trust they don't trust uh religious organizations and they don't trust like julia said the minute i say i make it known i'm a pastor there's a change in body language a lot of times and that the issue of human sexuality figures into that but it's one part of a a systemic issue and so ultimately for me i think the the job is the same. It, it, how do we be incarnational? How do we walk alongside people and build relationships and listen to give trust a chance again in life changing relationships you know a chance
3: I think uh, Brad, one of the things that uh, some of the some pastors have shared with me during these past eight weeks on a couple of occasions is what's been really hard is not being able to be with people in their darkest moments so we had a couple of cases where pastors who've had COVID patients and they couldn't visit them or uh, one pastor in, uh, in the Lafayette area someone died an older member died in the hospital and they couldn't participate in a normal funeral service or visit the last days so to not be able to kind of do to be that incarnational presence that Ross made reference to is a, is a difficult space to be in. I, in all my years of ministry, Brad, and uh, I, I can't say I remember a time like this where uh, you know, we couldn't, you couldn't even do the, the, the ministry of presence was one gift that you had that you uh, was, was kind of like always there. You know, you could at least in most cases be present. You couldn't, maybe didn't have words to fix something or, or take away the pain, but ministry of presence was a gift brought mm-hmm. at the church. And if the church is to be an instrument of God's grace, I think it can only happen through people, lay and clergy, um, for us to actually be an instrument of God's grace. And I think that's where the trust comes. People are mm-hmm. pretty much they people who know anything about the church. They're, they're more they're more after know what we don't believe or what we're against than what we're for. My wife is good at reminding. Me. It, you know, I, I, I'm tired of hearing about what, what people are against. I want to know what the church is for. What are we for? What are we, what are we affirming?
0: Yeah, I think that's our challenge moving forward is how do we become incarnate in this new day and age, especially, you know, given the challenges here. And there might be perhaps some interpretation means or, or techniques that some of our younger clergy may have. that may help us to navigate this uh, situation we're in it. Maybe it's tougher in, in some ways, but I know you mentioned the funeral. I had a funeral myself a few weeks ago, and it meant doing a funeral by way, by way of Facebook Live and mask, gloves and mask and, you know, and social distancing. It was just weird, awkward, uh, unsatisfying in many ways, but we did it. So I have ministry of presence. But, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, Bishop, that you find encouragement from these younger clergy, and I'd be interested in, ross and julia
4: what or whom is being encouraging to you you know i think i think like many folks we we wondered like what this pandemic would show of people even for me boy i can have a lot of cynicism that can go wild in me sometimes i've i have seen how we're doing these uh meal distributions these weekend meal supplements for families with one school district there have been so many people step up to help and they and they haven't they they don't go to church but they do deliveries for us every week because they care about their neighbors and so I think that's what's been encouraging to me is that I've seen more of the problem of good as I, I think Richard Rohr talks about that, like more than the problem of evil during this pandemic. And that's been encouraging to me. Julia, in what ways are you encouraged? Or...
1: I know I said earlier about learning to be okay with not being okay, but sure. there has been a lot of encouragement. There's been seen how uh, members of the church of, of St. Mark's staff have just stepped up and they've been so creative about continuing the ministry of the church. Uh, Cody, who does our Uh, worship videos. He has really stepped up and come into his own doing something that he was, this was not part of his job description. Like so many people are doing stuff like this is, I did not learn this in seminary. This was not on the job description, but you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to make this happen. You know, we've had a lot of storms lately and I was out on the, on my deck, uh, moving some of the plants around that I potted in the last couple of weeks trying to get them to someplace slightly drier so hopefully they don't—they can survive and not be flooded. I was actually really encouraged just this morning by seeing some of the bulbs had started to sprout. Like there, was, there were new flowers starting to pop up from the ground. Like there is still life and growth and this promise that God is still good and God is still being God while we figure out how to be humanity.
0: Bishop, do you have anything else you want to ask to Julia or, or Ross here?
3: No, I just, I, I want to just thank them both. And and Ross, uh, how can I pray for you as a new church start pastor in, in your, in Johnson County? And I'd like to hear how your bishop can be supportive of you. And then I'll ask Julia uh, a similar
4: question. Wow. How much time do you have, Bishop? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, it's like the doing fine if you don't answer.
4: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Oh, you know we we have uh, we have some decisions to make about as a leadership team, all kinds of decisions that seem like big important decisions. But so I guess maybe that we would have wisdom both in terms of the how important or not important those decisions actually are, and wisdom to make them.
3: And for you and your family too.
4: Yes, the this,
3: that this household.
4: <laughs> that's
3: right Julia how about you uh I, yeah that you I don't need to say it again but I'm gonna do it that was a powerful message you preached a few weeks ago and Ross I don't know if I if I'm able to go online and and hear any of your preaching are you are you worshiping now and preaching or just doing still the community work
4: see this porch right here Bishop that's where we had church on Sunday we had Facebook live from here and uh yeah we do that every Sunday at nine thirty.
3: Well I've been checking out, so I'll be checking checking you out. But uh just you know the the whole vulnerability, you know. Um, I thought that was a powerful, powerful message. And I know you were I don't know where you were, where you were doing if it was in your in your
1: I was right here. I was in my in a corner of my apartment that I've cleaned up enough to look slightly presentable.
3: <laughs> yeah, but uh, how can I pray for you and for your this chapter in life in your, in your husband, how vulnerable is he in his work? You said a private company, so I don't know if that's yeah. different than just like the Carmo EMT right. that has to go out and.
1: The private company is a little different because he's going all over the state. And I mean, that's when it's someone specifically being called from the hospital. Okay. He has had COVID patients. We've had to come up with a system for when he gets home from work. I take the dog out and he's able to just desanitize and, and, it is scary. I mean, on the one hand, I'm jealous of him. I am jealous of my husband because he gets to go out and see other people throughout the week, but it's also, it is kind of scary because you never know he's got, he had to shave his beard. Everyone else is growing beards and he had to shave his, so that he could be fitted for a heavy duty uh, respirator mask that would allow him to have full protection him and his coworkers, whenever they have a new patient, no one else is allowed to use his mask, following all of the procedures to keep themselves as safe and healthy as possible while still providing care. But honestly, right now, I just ask for prayers for everyone who's in healthcare right now, uh, first responders, people working in the pharmacies, even the people cleaning the hospitals right now, just everyone who's even remotely involved in healthcare. They are, they are working so hard. Some of them are working overtime and those who aren't, It is still weighing on them and it's weighing on their families.
0: Julia and Ross, is there anything else that folks like Bishop and myself experienced clergy or church folks could do to help you to speak into your life, to help support you as you go through this uh, journey together? What can we do to be helpful to you?
4: Well, Brad, I, I guess I would just shine light on stuff that you've already been doing. So Brad and I are in the, well, we're in the same community for you know my beginning time here, and Brad made a point to uh, go out for coffee regularly and and pray with me. And honestly, that just goes such a long way to just for somebody to listen um, and to pray with you and to validate your calling in that way. So thanks, Brad.
0: Thank you for the good word there, and Chris, you prayed for me too. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Julie, anything else you want to share? Before- I think
1: the honesty. I still remember when uh, before I gone to seminary, I sat down and talked with some female pastors, and they were honest about what their experience with ministry was, the good points, but also the hard points, points of struggle. And I think that honesty and that vulnerability and giving, giving us the gift of saying, saying to us that we, we are experiencing something different. We're experiencing our struggles and giving us space to be honest about our struggles, sure. even as we are open to listening to your struggles and sharing in that together. That really helps.
0: What do you, what would you say to that young, uh, I'll speak to you, Julia, first, that young, like, say, high school student who is thinking about ministry right now in the United Methodist Church, given the challenges that are here before us, the whole world here, what kind of word would you share with that young woman, that high school student?
1: God is bigger than anything you could ever imagine. God is bigger than your fears, bigger than your doubts, bigger than any mess or any beautiful creation the United Methodist Church could ever come up with, or any other denomination. God's bigger, and God's got you.
0: Awesome.
1: So go for it.
0: Ross, Ross, same thing for you, my friend. What would you speak to that young, let's say, high school young man who's considering uh, ministry?
4: Ma- ministry is the most challenging and awesome adventure you could ever go on. Amen. It's Amen. it is it is some of the most challenging mountain climbing you'll ever do and and uh, some of the most joyful and uh, adventurous thing you'll ever do.
0: Well, Bishop, we've got two fine examples of younger clergy here, uh, Reverend Julia Gonzalez from St. Mark's in Carmel, Reverend Ross Stackhouse from Heaven and Earth Church, and I'd just like to speak to them from your heart for a minute and, and speak to them as they represent maybe younger clergy around the world who may be hearing us today, and then maybe you could lead us in the that thought and closes with prayer.
3: glad to thank thank you both for joining us on this podcast and for your ministry. You know everybody wants to be seen and heard and listened to and valued. And um, sometimes it, it seems as though we're doing ministry in isolation. But I used to think that sometimes as well. Then I would later find out so and so said, "Did you know I was praying for you?" So there are people praying for you that you don't see. Uh, and, uh, and I know you're praying for folks that don't know that you're actually praying for them. Uh, Ramona Ozbell wrote a book some time ago entitled No One Is Here Except All of Us, and she talks about the moment we are in, and I think this is applies to the moment we're in now. The moment we are in is a hinge. The past is swung on one side and the future on the other. Kind of living in that middle moment, uh, and I would say to both of you, you know, thanks. Thanks be to God for your witness and for your faith in God, and I pray that God would just fortify that faith. and And I hope that laughter is part of your your menu. Yeah, you know, we have a lot. We it's just my wife and I here. Our kids are grown, and we FaceTime and Google do a lot because we have our grandparents now. But if it wasn't for laughter,s uh, I don't know, we probably couldn't make it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know we do pray and do do some of those other things but sometimes we just find, have to find things that are funny can i pray for all of us now brad please lord god we give you thanks and praise for the gift of life and the gift of uh, of love uh, you love us more than we understand and can fully comprehend but you love love us enough that it overflows that we might love others We pray, oh God, for Ross and for his ministry, and we pray for wisdom, for upcoming decisions, uh, wisdom and courage and confidence and compassion. Well, Lord, we know that you don't intend for us to have to save the world, but you do want us to love our neighbors. So help us, oh God, continue to live into our calling. We ask blessings upon Julia, her family, and Ross and his family, and pray for their respective ministries and for the ministry that we share together in the state of Indiana. We pray for Brad and his family, Lord, and uh, for all of the challenges that are before us, Oh God. We know um, that you don't expect us to do the heavy lifting. You've already done the heavy lifting on Calvary, but you do expect us to sing and to cry and to weep uh, and to share. And we give thanks, oh God, that we've had this time on this podcast. If there's somebody who's listening now, oh God, who needs to know that they are loved Lord we want them to know that in the name of Jesus you are loved in the name of Jesus you are forgiven and many may even be called by God and wondering uh, if if there's a sign out there maybe this is the sign you've been waiting for this podcast so bless us O God that that we might not brag about our blessings but that we might be a blessing to others this we pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ amen
0: I'm inspired and encouraged, and I hope that you are too, as we had this conversation uh, with, uh, with, with Bishop Julius Trimble, as he led us in our time of being encouraged with two of our younger clergy here in the state of Indiana, and that's just certainly a representative of younger clergy around the world, really, with Reverend Julia Gonzalez from the St. Mark's United Methodist Church in Carmel, Indiana, where she's the associate pastor, and Reverend Ross Stackhouse, who is the pastor of a new church plant called Heaven Earth Church, located in uh, in Whiteland, Indiana. And I hope that you heard just a couple of things here, which are very important about the absolute need to build trust, to live incarnately to the world we're in right now, to be dependent on grace. And this quote that I believe that Julia shared with us stuck with me, and I shared with you again that God is still God. And God is still good while we figure out how to be human. You can always go to unitedmethodistpodcast.com for back issues of the podcast or facebook.com slash unitedmethodistpodcast to be connected there as well. My name is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. It is my pleasure to be with you here in the United Methodist People podcast where it is our mission to help strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary. And I leave you now with a quote from John Wesley, which I hope to speak into your life. Open quote God grant that I may never live to be useless. Close quote. Until next time, good people, do all the good you can.
2: Thanks so much for listening to the United Methodist People Podcast with Rev. Dr. Brad Miller. You can continue the conversation and commentary about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church to accomplish our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Visit the United Methodist People Podcast on the web at unitedmethodistpodcast.com and connect at com slash united methodist podcast and always do all the good you can